Welcome to the Geniuses of Copywriting Podcast, a peek into the minds and strategies of the world's greatest copywriters, marketers, and persuasion experts. And now, here's your host, Brian Cassangina. Hi guys, welcome back to the Geniuses of Copywriting Podcast. It's my true honor and privilege, uh, uh, although I probably say that every week, but, uh, but this week I do have copywriting royalty um, on the phone. So thanks for coming and, uh, and uh, uh, spending time with uh, us today. Bond, how are you? I'm good. And uh, you know I'm an easy sell for you because we're mates. Yeah, it does because, you know, I've been on several podcasts, you know, where people invite me on and I'm not, you know, I don't know them from Adam. But yeah. You know, <laughs> You're in a sleeping but, compartment on a train together. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, that was good fun as well. But uh, um, yeah, we'll have to, we have to um, re- revisit our, our travel plans for this year as well. Your, yes. your trusty travel agent, uh, a.k.a. me, <laughs> um, will take care of all the details. Uh, Absolutely. You, you, you're, you're good with the one-star hostels, right, just think? I Well, <laughs> you know, there I might have to switch travel agents. <laughs> <laughs> you might have to. All right, let's get down to business because uh, um, uh, there is a, a, a genuine reason for me uh, uh, to ask you um, back onto the show. I mean, uh, years ago, before um, I ever started this podcast, you know, I think um, you and and, uh, and uh, your brother Kevin were um, gave me an interview that was like uh, um, well over two hours long, and uh, that was uh, um, uh, in the middle of the night for me, and I stayed up. Uh, um, most of the night hanging out with you guys because uh, um, you know you dropped some real value there. And if anyone wants uh, is listening to this on iTunes, it's like I think the very first episode of of the show before I come up with the name, but uh, just sort of uh, threw it on there to uh, um, to boost up the numbers. But uh, I thought that I'd get you back and uh, and we could really dive deep into something that uh, um, uh, that is important for. Um, anyone wanting to, to rise up in the field of copy. So, and I, and I couldn't think of anyone better to uh, talk about this than uh, uh, the one and only Bond Halbert. So um, for those of us who are, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, negligent enough to uh, not know pretty much everything about, uh, about <laughs> you and your pop, um, can you uh, give us a quick rundown of, uh, why the Halbert name uh, is truly uh, copywriting royalty? Uh, well, first, you know, back, you know, a lot of people talk nowadays about, and I'm going to, you know, in case you've even heard some of this before, I'm going to give you some more information that's more insightful and useful. Um, my father was, you know, a lot of people right now ask you, you the question all the time. You get the same questions like, what's the top copywriting books? What is the, who's the best copywriter alive right now? And the reason they always say the best copywriter alive is it's generally considered that my father was the best copywriter of all time. Hmm. And I, I stand by that. Um, those who make that argument, not just out of nepotism and love for my father, but, you know, there were three things that he did that I haven't seen replicated. Uh, one is he had more record-breaking winners in more niches. And it's very hard for copywriters to actually make a record in, let's say, finance, and then also make one in health, and then also make one in a 
completely unrelated field. They usually specialize in high ticket items yeah. or they specialize just in business coaching or they specialize, you know, and they'll specialize in a couple things. Um, but he was crushing it in all the medias, uh, all the mediums at that time, you know, print, uh, direct mail sales letters. And even when he went online, he begrudgingly went online and then his <laughs> website became the online Mecca for copywriters. Yeah. Um, so there's that portion. Uh, he also wrote the most widely mailed sales letter in history to our knowledge. Um, you know, I mean, a lot of times you hear people talk about, you know, so-and-so is a billion, seven billion. I mean, the, the, the numbers have gone up so dramatically. <laughs> You're like, you're, you're starting to be, you know, <laughs> who's the next trillion dollar copywriter? And then when you yeah. do the math, you're like, wait a minute, that doesn't, <laughs> you know, that company they wrote for didn't even make that much money gross. How did they, yeah. <laughs> you know? but anyway, um, so, but, but I want to say in defense of that, nowadays you couldn't do what he was doing because he was making breakthroughs in all these niches and he was one of these people who, really understood copywriting before it was um, so inundated and so many people knew it. Like when I, before if somebody said, you know, what did your father do or what are you into? And you say copywriting, it was nobody, nobody knew what you were doing. I mean, a mm. lot of you, a lot of people think, how do I explain what I do to civilians? But there's a whole bunch of people in marketing that know it back then they yeah. didn't. Yeah. You know? And so what happened was if you could have a breakthrough, you know, he could go into these places and use tricks and things that he had experimented and found that worked really well and apply them to all kinds of niches. Um, but his writing style was fluid and he could write for all of them. So he had, but he also, so he had the records in the, you know, the biggest record at one time. Um, he also had, more records and more niches, but finally he also had a greater impact on more copywriting careers. And most people don't even know it. A lot of times you're studying copywriting and then it's, they'll discover the Gary Halbert letter yeah. and they'll go to the Gary Halbert letter.com and start reading something. They're like, Oh, that's where they got it. You know, <laughs> somebody was talking about like, you know, how to, you know, make sure you're looking for a hungry crowd for your market. And then they come back and realize that's all taken from the starving job. Yeah, yeah. Um, all of these things, you know, so, I mean, he affected thousands upon thousands of copywriters who, you know, later became, some of them became big and started being coaches on their own and stuff. So mm. for that, that's why he really became the, the king of copy, in my opinion. Um, now, there were other people who were great, like, you know, Eugene Schwartz and David Ogilvy and stuff like that, but they just didn't have the... Um, you know, they, they, the direct marketing, you know, mm. impact that he did on the industry. And then uh, the reason it turned into sort of a royalty thing is it became famous that he started teaching me and seriously teaching me at about the age of 10. And so when we grew up, and this is even hard to get done today because I'm teaching my daughter, um, he was taking me, he was making everybody put up with having me in their meetings. And so that I could learn. So, I mean, I was learning from Gary Benzavinga and Jay Abraham and people like Dan Kennedy and John Carlton and all of these people. I was actually already in direct marketing, you know, and being surrounded and being taught a lot about direct marketing before John Carlton became a copywriter. And he's, wow. you know, older than I am. <laughs> and um, so when he came to work with my father, it was not a, you know, it wasn't like, oh, 
okay, you know, it was, it was one of those things where, you know, they weren't speaking with a vocabulary that I didn't already understand. And then I kind of did my thing in the background. A lot of people didn't know um, that I had gone because there was a lot of reasons for it, but there was, I didn't want the limelight that my father enjoyed in the world of copywriting. And so what I would do is I would start with, you know, my, my dad had all these proteges and a lot of them are now big name people, but what he, you know, we all took a singular focus away from a lot of stuff from him. So somebody learned how to really do market research. Now I learned them all because, you know, nobody, you know, everybody, my dad was teaching me before he taught anybody else. And I would hear these lessons, but I would notice, I noticed that he would start focusing in on a part of marketing. And that was where his brain was focused for a period of time. And then it would shift to another and it would shift back as well. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, kind of like people revisiting scientific advertising or the boron letters to get reacclimated and like, oh, that's right. I got to remember, I got to do more targeting with my, my work. I've got to do more of, you know, one aspect or another. Yeah. So I, I did learn it all, but the one, th- the, they all came away with sort of like a different specialty. And it's like, you know, the late great Scott Haynes wrote copy that sounded like my father more than anybody else. Um, the, you know, Sam Markowitz focuses a lot on testing and figuring out offers, deals that you can make people that are more enticing. Mine was the big idea. You know, my, my forte out of all of that. And the truth is, you know, even some of us um, have the protégés, we get together and when we talk and stuff like that, even about our projects and everything, you know, the big idea is, you know, where I'm like, you know, giving them help and they're giving me help with telling me what's the latest offers that are working and things like that. So because I got into the business and then um, most importantly, what happened was after my father had passed away, people would invite me on podcasts and we'd talk about my dad kind of like we are now. And then in a little while they started, you know, I'd mention something, not on purpose. And they'd start realizing that I knew a lot and they'd start tapping my <laughs> brain for things. And then eventually I started doing podcasts and they're like, cause I was doing, I was focusing on making breakthroughs in marketing, like, you know, how to get really high open rates above everybody else or how to, um, you know, I wrote the very first book on editing copy ever written. Uh, mm. <laughs> and, and in it, I shared these lessons that even long-term seasoned veteran million dollar copywriters had never heard. And I'm like, wow, that's really good. <laughs> and, and so what happened was it, I'd started showing that the way that my dad taught me to think had sunk in and people started realizing that. And now, so my brother and I took over his website, obviously. And then what happened was everybody ran to download it. They didn't realize that we were going to leave it up for free forever that, you know, (laughs) (laughs) they're all thankful that we did that. And now I'm actually teaching my own kids about direct marketing. And so it became like a, a royalty thing. If my daughter is successful at it and which I fully think she is, she's one of the fastest students I've ever dealt with. Um, it, you know, it might turn even turn into a dynasty. I don't know, but that's the reason it's considered marketing royalty is because there was a like a king, and then you saw him passing that, you know, that that knowledge yeah. and skill down to somebody so early. And if you read the Boron letters, you realize this wasn't just somebody who's like, 
you know, th this is somebody who was being heavily trained. I was pulled yeah. out of school to go to meetings with direct marketing meetings and brainstorming sessions with direct marketing legends now. Wow. And so that, that's where the, the royalty thing came by. And by the way, none of us, you know, my dad called himself the Prince of Print, yeah. but <laughs> I, direct marketing royalty was something that felt weird when people started describing my brother and I that way. But I never, you know, I finally said, okay, you know, I can see it. And I embraced it. But um, it, it, was, it took a long time to do it because the one thing I did, believe it or not, people think, if there's some people who will argue with you, but believe it or not, I just didn't have the ego to accept that. <laughs> so, yeah, that's right. I'm now like, you know. So, but anyway, my, uh, but now my forte is um, the part that I really, I believe that, you know, most other people will say that I excel at is the big idea, the concept, but also how to teach other copywriters. That's been a, mm -hmm. because I, when you learn the lessons that my dad was teaching so often, and you can stop me whenever I'm talking too much. That's why these podcasts can go on for two hours. <laughs> but when he started teaching me um, or started teaching people, I'd heard these lessons so many times that I started actually evolving and paying attention to the changes as the slight changes he was making to the lessons that he was teaching people. Depending so on I was learning. Yeah. So I was learning how to teach copywriting. Right. And I was mm. very focused in on that because, you know, if you actually go through my dad's newsletters and stuff, he's teaching you how to think like a marketer. He's teaching you about what's important. He's teaching mindset. He's spending very little time, teaching you nuts and bolts. Now, I um, learned all of the lessons that Gary Halbert gave. I heard them more often than anybody else. I knew them in depth because I started, you know, when you pick up, if you have somebody who's like playing golf and they pick it up as a hobby in their 20s, you know, you know they're going to probably and play for 20 years. They're going to do better than somebody who picked it up at 50. But if you have somebody who's, you know, been swinging it at six years old, like Tiger Woods, you pick it up on a level that other people just, you know, it's, it's, it becomes, you get it at a cellular level. You start getting it, you know, you've, you've thought about it in a different kind of way. Hmm. And so I was able to quickly take my dad's A pile, B pile lesson for snail mail and apply it to get results that nobody else could get and for open rates in, um, in, um, and, and, um, list retention, um, in, in online and email, I was able to take a lot of the lessons that he taught me and be able to apply it to, um, you know, my very first Google ad that I ran got double digit click through re, uh, response rate. And the reason was, uh, and this was after, this was not back when everybody, you know, nobody was competing for the Google AdWords. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this was when everybody was really already highly competitive. Mm. Yeah, uh, because I was able to start understanding. And the one thing my dad taught me that a lot of his, um, a lot of proteges did not get was my dad was marketing all the time. And so I learned to do that. And what I learned to do and picked up was, you know, look, you've got to market to these other, you know, you can't just walk in and say, Hey, I got a good deal for you. Let's do this and make some money when everybody else is making the same offer to that when you're setting mm -hmm. up a J. I, I learned to market to everybody. 
um, you know, and to apply the principles there where most people are putting on their marketing hat, copywriters are doing it when they sit down to the computer and, or somebody, you know, hires them a thing on a client. I I'll pick it up from anywhere and everywhere, but I will also apply it. And my dad did it all the time. And so, you know, that's, I think another reason that that came out is because now people really want me to teach them how to write copy. And I'm more interested in providing resources that teach a lot of people than I am sitting down and teaching a class over and over and over again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So let's, let's dive into that. Cause I'm really interested in like, um, uh, and I'm asking this, uh, um, from the point of view also of being an eternal student, you know, um, I've been uh, um, studying uh, your father's work and other copywriters since, two, since 2003, um, but I'm still learning as well. So how, how does a person um, uh, start, let's say from uh, maybe from scratch or very little knowledge um, and, and become a truly great copywriter? Okay, well, the, well, here's the question. I'm gonna give you a path, but the path leads you to being a working copywriter and being a great copywriter. And they yeah. are two, they actually kind of, they don't really diverge. The amount of effort that's put in is the main difference there. And the main, the mm -hmm. way that your goal, you're, you're setting your goal on the outset. Yeah. So, um, a lot of the stuff is the same to becoming a working copywriter, becoming great, truly great. People who write the kind of record-breaking copy that other people are putting in their swipe files is a different mentality than the people who are trying to get some clients and make those clients happy. Yeah. So um, I'm going to outline basically the path to greatness, okay? Yeah. Where I think other people – um, you know, only have to do a portion of this to get to where clients are now. So I'll, I'll pepper in there. This is where you can start focusing and become a, a yeah. paid copywriter, live a good lifestyle, get paid well, but not shoot for being one of the best in the world. And again, I'm not, I'm an idea guy. I, I take copywriters who work for Agora and I give them, you know, ideas and concepts and hope and hone their skills and make them better. And they end up sometimes making record breaking copy <laughs> based on it, but it's not, I'm not, I'm much more interested in the, the teaching, the breakthroughs and then getting bored and moving on to something else. So I just want to yeah. put that out there. Okay. The first thing from scratch, absolutely zero is you need to read three books. Mm -hmm. um, actually it, I would say four, um, Three, uh, the first, very first book you should probably read is actually The Boron Letters. Now, that's a series of letters my dad wrote to me uh, when he was in Boron, but the reason you should read that is it's the outline of what's really important in copy. And if you don't, and it's one, and by the way, three of these books are books you should reread about once a year because they're, they're short, they're fast, but they're, they're jam-packed with tips that, you know, when you reread it, you start picking yeah, up on yeah. more. But the Boron Letters gives you kind of an outline of what copywriting is all about. Another very short book is Claude Hopkins, um, Scientific Advertising and My Life in Advertising. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, is it? yeah, but anyway, Scientific Advertising is the ones you wanna focus on. 
And that is the blueprint or the basic handbook of direct response marketing, marketing for sales and the kind of sales that, you know, when you run the ad, you get uh, results that you measure when you've improved those results enough and you're making enough profit, you get to reinvest those profits and run more ads and build a company big without yeah. spending, you know, without having a big, a lot of investors to you yeah. know, fund a $20 million campaign. The third book my dad always recommended was the Robert Collier letter book. Now, this is actually one of those things that will, if you see the value in the Robert Collier letter book, that's one of the things that will tell you whether or not you're going to become a paid-for copywriter or a hero copywriter. <laughs> the reason is it's, they're, they're old. You know, he, he was ages ago, and so it's a different form of English that everybody understood back then but is different than now. And you are, if you can take the lessons from that and apply it, that means that you've got the mindset where you can start taking the lessons and apply it in um, different places. So you can take the lessons of a direct mail sales letter and effectively apply it to a video sales letter. Okay. Mm. You can, you know, so it's, it's, but that is a very, it's a very valuable book. Now back then my dad could recommend you read every book on writing copy and you could probably do that in a week or two. Now everybody's got a darn book and <laughs> there's a lot of uh, overlap and I'm not saying you're not going to do this, but you want to start with those three books. And then for a nuts and bolts like education about what goes into copy and the, the step-by-step -step sort of structure or not structure, but uh, the step-by-step this is how you actually write and put choose one word over another and stuff like that. You want to pick yeah. up my editing book, actually. It's mm. the How Copywriting Method Part 3. And I'm not mentioning these two books just because I can get some money for it. They're, you know, they're not expensive enough where I'm going to get rich off that. Um, the reason is, is there's a lot of lessons in there. There's lessons in there that are great for beginners. It's completely an eye-opener. Um, but even there's a couple lessons in there that are for really good copywriters. Now, th at this point, though, this is where you decide where you want to be great or whether you want to work as a working copywriter and have a good life. They both they're both fine goals. Again, I am not I'm not judging one or the other. But if you are going to be great, you want to from this point on in the outline, I'm going to give you a structure focus on a couple things. One, learning how to teach. When you're copywriting, you're usually teaching people why your offer is the best one. Mm. Okay. You are learning. Um, you got a, a great copywriter has to teach their clients and make their clients understand why they need to change this offer because it doesn't match the target audience. Right. You know, there, there, there's market message and offer you know, the market determines, you know, how much money can be made. The offer is, um, the, if it's the right offer to the right market, the message can be terrible. The, the message is the copyright and the copy can be terrible. If I've got the right product to the right, to yeah. the right market, I've got heroin, you're a heroin addict. <laughs> I, got the best heroin account. I don't really have to do too much. Uh. <laughs> it is the it is the if you focus on that you really don't you know so sometimes you're dealing with a client and you're dealing with an offer 
and they're they're like no this is the best offer this is what everybody else is offering and if you so you need to learn how to educate in a way that makes light bulbs go off in people's heads so that if you're dealing with clients you sometimes have to educate them to do the right thing because there's nothing worse you know you go in and the big 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 bucks are made on the royalties you know mm. the the $20,000 retainer if done right is nothing compared to the 5% of the gross royalties that you're going to try and get. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Another reason my dad was part royalty is he was the first to get a percentage of the gross. There was one other guy, I think it was Jim Rutz who was able to get like a nickel for every piece that they mailed, <laughs> <laughs> but he was the first one to get a percentage of those sales and ask for it. Anyway, but the big money comes from the, you know, making the deal work and getting a piece of all that action. Right. Yeah. But even if you have really big winners that people are talking about and they say, Oh, so, and you know, you know, you know, we paid bond $200,000, but because of, because we paid him, he gave us the outline and we know what we did. You know, we're rich now because <laughs> if they paid me that they made a lot of money. Right. <laughs> so the, um, so you need to learn how to educate. It's something that you're paying attention to. So you're paying attention to how lessons are learned and, you know, when, and it's not about your ego at all. Um, the other thing is the constant curiosity that you're going to need to be learning. So you're going to start paying more attention to numbers um, where you're going through the math and you're saying, okay, if I we're putting out product A, or email A that sells a product, and it gets uh, it pulls in quite a few people at a um, at a high price. But the second email we send out gets a lot um, a hot, higher percentage of people, and at a lower price. We got to do the math to see which one is better. But then we're looking at the unsubscribe rates, right? Because if we look at the at the at the end of the day when we send email three. How much money did we make, whether we sent email A or email B first or not, right? Because email A could have brought in a lot of money, but offended so many people that, you know, <laughs> that the, the unsubscribe rate dropped off so much. Nobody's opening, you know, and people naturally open email A, you know, it has a higher open rate than yeah, email yeah. B, right? <laughs> So it's understanding numbers and, and it's everywhere. It's like when you're on, um, you're looking at your Google analytics for a website, that time on site, that's affecting all kinds of things. That's affecting your SEO sometimes because, you know, I remember once in, you know, saying, okay, I need people to do time, if time on site and to trigger the SEO, I ran an ad to get people to go to the, to the website. <clears throat> and then, but my, my time on site was S astoundingly high it was measured in many minutes right <laughs> because people it was exactly what the people at the search string were looking for and then they got sucked in and found all this value well that made it you know that increased it increased the seo of it mm. and, you know there's things that you find um so when you're tinkering with it you're like okay my bounce rate lowers and my or my time on site goes higher when i make these changes and how it affects and all of it is about one thing, affecting the sales and the profitability, okay? Um, so, you know, it's, you know, it's fine. Everybody's, you know, we're marketers, so I get it. You're, everybody's trying to announce gross numbers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They always sound better. The truth is, 
the people who make the most money don't have to actually have the very best copy. They have to have an offer and they have to own a huge amount of equity. So mm. if you own a company, right, and you do $2 million in sales and 50% of it is, is it's an info company, but 50% was spent on advertising and, you know, networking and, you know, that was really your expenses, but you got to take a million dollars home after that. Yeah. To make a million dollars at 5% of the gross, how much do you have to sell? 20 million, mm. right? So there's all in the end, and, and I'm, I'm showing you a fast forward thing. The richest copywriters in the world actually own their uh, big, huge pieces of the companies that they, that they're writing for, if not the whole thing. Right. But mm -hmm. that's a, that's, I don't even want to go there because it's a whole other kettle of fish because you now have a management problem where the creative and the management skills rarely go hand in hand. Right. <laughs> and very quickly, uh, everybody starts to think, well, I'm a manager. I built this thing. You're off at the beach. I could, you know, I could just hire another yeah. copywriter to keep yeah. it going. The copywriter's like, well, you know what? I built this thing. I could hire mm. another manager. Managers are a dime a dozen, mm. you know? So without going there, I'm just saying you need to learn how to teach, but you also need to know numbers. And the other thing I want to say is you, um, you have to be able to teach. I had, a, I had, a, I forgot for a second, my little brain fart. Um, you have to learn how to be able to teach. You have to know numbers. Oh, and you have to have a curiosity that keeps you learning forever. There's a point here where I'm going to say in my path that you can start charging for clients, but the greatest copywriters will not stop learning. They will actually write notes sometimes when they're hearing something that is new. Right. Hmm. And they also learn from everybody. You know, my dad would walk down the street and if somebody at the Venice boardwalk had a really good hustle and it was something he could apply to his copywriting and marketing chops, he would. Whereas other people are only listening to people who have a fame, you know, recognition. Oh, that's so-and-so. Everybody's heard of him. We <laughs> need to pay attention to what that person's saying. And everybody who's an expert in anything, like, you know, you've studied a lot, realizes there's somebody who's very famous that doesn't know as much as, you know, they shouldn't be as famous as they are, you know, <laughs> and I'm not throwing shade at like Dr. Phil, but you know, there are psychiatrists who think, okay, now that guy's a hack. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Where, and they're like, I could have been better, but the difference is, is he put himself out there and became famous, right? Mm. But that doesn't mean that, you know, if you're learning psychiatry, you necessarily want to learn from them. You want to, um, but you want to be somebody who's constantly learning. One of the, um, and I will give some shout outs to people here, and it's not because, you know, like one of the guys who I know learns and is constantly learning and updating despite his advanced age, uh, is David Deutsch. Mm. <laughs> uh, David Deutsch will buy absolutely everything that we come out with. And he is one of those people I know that is always on really interested and fascinating with the cutting edge of everything. And a super sharp guy. And I don't, you know, I constantly learn and I, and it doesn't make a difference whether I'm, I'll learn stuff about, you know, ask the public website. I learned that from two, you know, people who were, you know, comparatively rookie copywriters. Mm. Right. Um, so it's not about learning from the best of the best or anything like that, but it's about a pattern of all never giving up and learning because everything changes. Okay. That 
is what you need to decide or develop right after reading these three books. So you'll also want to continue reading a whole bunch of books when you have free time, when you're not doing the rest of the path I'm about to outline. So you're going to want to read the, all the bunch of the other copywriting books. You're going to want to read books on, on like influence by Cialdini. You're going to want to read a whole bunch of, you know, books on psychology, books on closing sales, um, books on, you know, the tipping points and human behavior and all of these things. If, if they can mm. add your marketing chops and that list is gigantic and it should just continue and continue and continue okay you know pitch anything I mean I, there's a whole bunch of books I could list but the whole point is you don't need to read them all before you get on to the next steps that I'm saying you should bring them in while doing the next step yeah okay now you want to take two courses the first pick a basic course there are some great courses in fact I'm putting out a document um, that's going to our Facebook group, the Gary Halbert Copy Club. And yeah. if my you know, my brother likes it, we're going to be mailing it to our list, our email list, and if you're not on Facebook. That will have affiliate links for some of the courses I'm going to recommend and some of the things that I'm recommending. But I've recommended these way before. And there was a guy... And my dad loved to listen to on the radio called Paul Harvey. But one of the cool things, this wasn't why he liked it, that I loved about Paul Harvey is you could not say, hey, I want to advertise on the Paul Harvey show. Mm. What had to happen is Paul Harvey had to turn around and say, you know, I've, you know, I went and I tried your mattresses. I really like them. You know, <laughs> how about would you like to advertise on my show? It was only by invitation. So he was mm. never recommending anything that he didn't personally or allowing people to sell something he didn't personally recommend. So while those are affiliate links in those things, I offer bonuses for it. So you can get more bang for your buck by using those affiliate links. But I'm, you can, if you don't get to that document, you should still be buying what I'm, what I'm mentioning anyway. Yeah. Okay. So there are basic, what I call basic courses. They are for courses who know enough. They've read the first three or four books that I just mentioned mentioned and you now know enough to kind of understand where you know the books aren't these courses aren't going to lose you and they're going to give you value and start teaching you yeah. and you can look at the differences of them and look them up on your own but they're like the simple writing system course um scott haynes's shortcut copywriting secrets um there there's the gary halbert copywriting course i like that one not only because it's ours but my dad actually you, he writes an entire full page ad explaining what he's thinking as he does yeah. it. Um, so there's a whole list of the basic courses, but you should just take one for now. Okay. Then what you should do is you should take the, what I consider to be the only advanced level course in direct response marketing. And that was actually a seminar that we did in Vegas. It's the recordings of it because what happened was we were throwing our first and only seminar. And it, this was what was cool about it. It was on my dad's, uh, what would have been my dad's 80th birthday. And we had decided that I got to choose and pick who I wanted to learn for. Now, there was the caveat that they had to have been serious Gary Halbert students or protégés. So yeah. it was the largest collection of protégés put together. But these were the people that were doing things that were tinkering and doing the latest things and they're writing breakthroughs. Their copy is not written 
um, by templates. And their copy is absolute, they're experimenting, they're on the cutting edge and they make these breakthrough copy um, and ads that everybody's gonna be searching for <laughs> yeah. to, to, you know, and they, and they do keep them close to the vest because everybody's gonna just click and copy and yeah. water what they're doing. But they were people I wanted to learn for, from. And John Carlton, myself, and everybody who's in there is actually writing a whole bunch of notes. And these are people I haven't seen written writing notes in, you know, mm. the younger ones I hadn't seen writing notes in decade. Then, you know, Carlton, I think it was the first time I ever saw him taking that kind of notes. And that's because I was like, okay, I want, I've been to a million of these conferences. I want this to be something where I'm learning and it's exciting from. And mm. it turned out to be a master's level education while the other courses are basic. Now, that being said, like the books, you want to continue taking other courses. You want to still, you're still going to get more value out of the ones that you haven't taken. They do not all contain the exact same information. Okay. Yeah. But I'm giving you the fast track to being a working copywriter at the same time, outlining the process of becoming a legendary copywriter. So once you have that basic and once you have that advanced course, you get, you know, Carlton's or, or um, Scott Haynes or Clayton Makepeace's course. Um, he's got a couple, but the one that we like is the one that um, uh, it was, it was the older one that was um, co-written uh, with Tony Flores anyway. And so, and those are all on the, the document that, you know, you're going to see if you sign up for the Gary Halbert letter, eventually that'll come out or that will be coming out soon on the Facebook group, but you never want to stop with the copywriting learning. Okay. At the same time that you're doing this, we're at, and I'm sorry, I got to backtrack a little bit. You should join a couple Facebook groups. Now the two that I recommend are ours, the Gary Halbert copy club, the re that is the best for direct response marketing professionals. They, yeah. These people are writing copy for sales. There's another group of copywriters now that are doing package deals where I write, you know, well, I'll write you three blog post contents and a couple of welcome email or welcome email and a couple of other emails that is still a, that is becoming a growing um, uh, more. It's, it's, that's becoming something more desired by the marketplace and more valuable. But our focus is direct marketing sales professionals, right? Yeah. There's fewer, you know, newbies in there and there are newbies where they're totally welcome. You know, you're learning yeah. there. Um, and so it's strictly kept on a much more like professional basis. In my opinion, I love our group, but the other group I do recommend is the copywriter club. And that one will have more, of the you know content writer copywriters as well they're not all writing for exactly for direct marketing sales there are direct marketing sales copywriters mm. in there um but the reason you want to join the groups is they're free but they can also help guide you along the way so when you come across a word um or a thing like you know that you don't understand you can say excuse my ignorance but you know what's the lifetime value of a client mean Mm -hmm. right? <laughs> or these are the three things that I'm thinking about working on in my business and my offer, which do you think is going to have the most bang or is going to have the, the biggest um, result, uh, the biggest effect on yeah. sales profitability later. So join those two free groups. After you have done the 
um, the, the two courses, it is now time to do a, one of, you have a few choices and you do want to do all of these. Get a mentor. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mentors are great because they do hands-on, but what's great is, you know, if you come to me and I'm not available for mentorship, so I'm not pitching myself. If you come to me with your stuff, I'm going to look at it and I'm going to say, okay, you're doing really good here up at the headline, but your closing arguments are losing strength. Or, and you know, the, the whole, and copywriting's like a chain, you know, this, the top, everybody starts focusing on the headline and sucking them in and doing all of that. But the truth is, when you get down to the bottom, the sale is based on everything. It's based on, you know, not the, the elements. People call it a formula. I think they're just elements. Attention, interest, desire, and action. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross got that wrong. It wasn't decision. It was desire. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was um, getting their attention is the beginning. And everybody, you know, gets that. And then what they want to do is, or they, they're driving in their car, they're in the shower, and they get this great headline. And then they're off to the races. Well, you know, but are your selling arguments the best? Have you reframed the way that this person is thinking about these offers to make them want to spend more money on the solution, realizing that it's worth that extra money because of the improvement it'll have on their life? Um, Have you done a really good, uh, have you edited and smoothed this over so that there's no point where um, they start thinking and having thoughts on their own before you want them to? You know, mm. great copy, you know, there's the grease slide where they fall through the copy. They can't stop reading. And it's a lot more to it than just saying, but wait, there's more at the end of every paragraph. <laughs> um, and I teach that in that, the, the book on about Halbert copywriting method part three. Uh, so you want to, the other thing great mentors do is if some of them will actually have connections with companies that when if you don't have a product that you're working on because you're a business owner they can sometimes get your copy tested by actual companies so in other words you're walking out with an ad that you've written that's actually got numbers behind it right mm-hmm. and even if your numbers weren't particularly good you're walking out with at least a portfolio when people say can you show me what you've written it's a good place to start yeah the other thing i'm going to mention is don't just get one mentor when you can afford it, you end up going and getting critiques or mentorships or stuff. I know people who've had multiple mentors, right? And so they're learning the very best of one person's, you know, mentoring capability, and then they're getting the other. And they teach in different ways, the radically different ways. My dad was like Mr. Miyagi making you wash his car, literally. <laughs> <laughs> Telling you that there was a marketing lesson in it. Um, my focus is actually in teaching people. When I teach somebody something, like if I teach you how to write a headline, I don't want you, you know, I'm not going to say, okay, a headline's filled with curiosity and benefit mm-hmm. um, and or benefit and leave it so that you're driving around in your car, taking a lot of showers, trying to figure out and come up with a, with a great headline to pop in your head. <laughs> I try and teach you in a way I teach you. I'll actually teach three different ways, but you can just start writing them, you know, write one after another, after another. And you know this about the way I teach because I've shown you some stuff. Yeah. Um, Bullets. If I teach you how to write bullets, you know, you're just, you know, because 
a lot of these people will say, I want you to write a hundred bullets and then we're going to narrow it down to the best because great copywriting is writing a whole lot and then editing out the stuff that's weaker. And so you're only left with really strong stuff. Right. Mm. Um, but if I'm going to teach you something, I'm trying to teach you things so that you, you learn it really fast, but you can do it immediately. Right. And so I was working on that kind of teaching and those it, it's, it's not templated because we're going to talk about that in a second. Uh, it is much more about um, um, a process. So I teach these processes and I had one for um, headlines. I had one for lead-ins, which is the, the few words right before a headline where you kind of, you know, handle an objection that might come up right before, right in the yeah. headlines. You're coming up with that. You're handling that objection um, that the headline, somebody might have as they read the headline before they even read the headline, right? So the lead-ins, mm -hmm. headlines, um, intro, you know, starting the copy, uh, then coming up with, you know, um, uh, bullets, closing arguments, PSs, risk reversal, ordering instructions. And the last piece of the puzzle that I finally figured out was story writing, right? And, because, and the reason that was so hard is everybody thinks that you, you make up these stories. And I said, no, you don't, you know, great stories aren't, aren't uh, created, they're found mm. and then perfected and they're honed and they're edited and they're made exciting. Right. So anyway, so, oh, and by the thing, when I mentioned that you also want to study learning and everything, you also want to study research. Research is a really, really good skill to have. Okay. As a copywriter, yeah. um, the more your research skills are, the better. So when, now, at this point, you've taken a couple of courses online. This isn't going to take you too long. You want to start writing, okay? Yeah. And that means I'm actually saying you can start taking clients from this point. What you're just taking is you're taking clients with copy that's terrible <laughs> <laughs> that you can immediately see opportunities for. So if it's your own stuff, you're going to start practicing and you know, doing actual emails. You work whenever you can, do real-life work. In between, yeah. you want to do what my dad used to recommend to make all of his protégés do. And this, this part has been considered controversial for a lot of people, which mm -hmm. hand write out winning ads. Mm -hmm. Okay. And when you, hand out, when you hand write out winning ads, you start to get the rhythm and the pace and understanding how it, it my dad called it a neurological imprint that it puts on your brain to figure out exactly how writing great copy sounds. And mm -hmm. so people, you're going to go and get a good swipe file and you're going to hand write out those ads. And this is an exercise and you do it just like you're reading the books. You do it with time in between, you know, if you, it, so number one, if you get a chance to write for real copy, write real copy for real world results, start doing it. Yeah. Except the fact that it's not going to be great. Right. Hmm. And just get, because the only way to get better is to keep doing it. Nobody does all of the learning, all of the processes and all of this other stuff and then gets out in the world and writes great. There is no lawyer that, you know, got their PhD in law and they studied psychology and everything. And then boom, they were automatically the best lawyer in town. The best mm -hmm. lawyers in town are the ones that had the most experience, right? So get yeah. on with the experience. But do this when you don't. Now, the people who say that, you know, um, it doesn't work, if you really think it won't work, it will not work for you because <laughs> it's like meditation is not going to work for you. If you just don't believe meditation could work for yeah. you. 
<laughs> um, so, you know, don't bother to do it. If you, but most of the people who will tell you, ah, you know, that's, you know, it's not a, a good first, never did it themselves. And there is a lot of evidence that it works. And I don't just mean somebody feeling like it works. Um, I can now tell this story. I knew about it before, but he gave me permission. Paris Lompropolis, who's a, who has a copy cub program. Yeah. He's a great copywriter. He noticed that one of his students was outperforming all the others. And this student's English is not his first language from what I understand. Hmm. And he said, you know, your stuff is really good. I'm trying to figure out what you do that's different. And he turned to Paris and said, because I'm handwriting out your ads and learning your style that way. Hmm. Okay? So <laughs> um, if you look at my dad's top protégés and the ones that make the most money, they all swear that that was the best exercise that they ever did. Okay. So, but enough about that. Now, you're going to start building what they call a swipe file. And this is the difference between good and great. Um, most of them will, will figure out how to build, and let's talk about how to build that swipe file and how to use that swipe file and the mistakes everybody else is doing. So what's gonna happen is you and I both get a client well, not you, because you wouldn't do this, but somebody else gets a client and I get a client and it's a furniture client. And the first thing that the, the, the working copywriter who is not destined to be great is going to do is go into one of the copy groups and say, hey, can anybody share with me some really fantastic furniture ads? <laughs> those for, give me those swipes. And when they get those furniture ads, what's going to happen is they are going to start reading them and that's going to taint their brain. It's going to start putting an imprint of and seed their brain with something that's not going to do a lot of value to them later. And here's why. By the time you get a swipe file, somebody has admitted this thing made them $90 million or whatever, that promotion has run its course. Otherwise they wouldn't be sharing it with you. Okay. <laughs> And so when you look at, let's say, pizza ad campaigns, you're going to see these campaigns like, like look at Domino's and it's 30 minutes or less. And they've run their course. So you're going to, the, 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 the newbie copywriter, the rookie copywriter is going to go anywhere from just changing a few words and outright stealing the copy, mm -hmm. which get them in major legal trouble, to kind of rewriting and putting it in their own words and doing them a mixture, a melange of the three ads that they saw, and now this sounds like a, a combination of all three kind of put together. Mm. The client is happy because the client says, you know, yeah, I saw those were big ads in the industry and it sounds and reads like one of those. That's mm. really job, right? And the ad is not going to do very well. Okay, but the client's going to be happy and not going to be too upset with the copywriter for doing this. Now, what a real swipe file user is. And by the way, my dad's the one who popularized the term swipe file with copywriters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another reason he's considered royalty. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what he was saying was he was, he just meant to swipe it out of the newspaper, or out of the magazine, because what yeah. he would do is go and use the, he would go and see what was being used ads that were running over and over again and then he would pull them out and he'd put them all into one ad and he didn't do it by industry and so 
I have figured out an even better way to use this. So he would peruse those ads to give him ideas for headlines and stuff like that. And they would come from different industries. He's not looking, he's not looking at five ads about diet when he's thinking about writing a diet ad. The ads he's looking are also selling commemorative coins or they're selling, you know, um, financial services and so forth. Yeah. So here's the way to hold the swipe file. And I'm going to give something new in case somebody's ever actually heard me say this. It might even be new to you. <clears throat> Cut up those swipes, print them out. And you'll probably want two copies. Um, one is set up by industry and I'll explain that in a second. But the first ones that you want to do is you want to cut up the, the headlines with the lead-ins, the headlines, mm -hmm. and then you want the intros to the copy. Then you want the stories. Then you want the bullets. And then you want this closing, the selling arguments. You want the, um, the PSs. You want the offer, the ordering instructions, all of that, all in their own separate files, completely separate files. But they're all mixed up with the different industries. Okay? Yeah. Then what you want to do is when you start reading and you're writing your copy and you have any issue, you want to pull those out and say, okay, now I need, you know, I need something more, I need inspiration on the ordering instructions. And you look through and you think, okay, this one would actually be kind of good for that. Hmm. Now the best copywriter in the world for, in my opinion, for writing swipe copy, which is to, you know, Hey, this is an ad. I'm going to take this whole ad and I'm going to modify it to make it work for this industry, it's still not going to be record breaking, you know, fascinating stuff. Um, but you know, that would be Harlan Kilstein in my opinion. He, he, a pro, a, he properly applies whole swipe files more than anybody else I know, but to, you got to remember the very big record breaking ads, the ones that are the best ads in the world, they don't, the one thing they have in common is they don't sound like anything anybody's heard before. Hmm. So they couldn't have been pieced together from other ads, right? You can do, you know, the seven things you need to do before you hire your next and it will work for your client. Like, so if you turn around and say, you know, seven things you need to know before you hire your next gardener and you're putting that flyer out to, to people, there's a good chance it will work. So that kind of swipe file works. But it doesn't sound like, oh my God, I've never heard of anything like this before, hmm. right? Sure. The real so again, I'm trying to teach you the difference between or share with you the difference between record breaking, revolutionary, and passable. Okay. Hmm. So what you do is you use the big file, the one or the the full complete ads as a checklist to make sure you didn't forget something. So after you've written your ad, after you've written that first draft. You go through it and say, oh, here's a concept that I completely forgot to cover. I forgot to cover who this is not for. Hmm. Because that's pretty important in this industry. Otherwise, you're going to get a lot of people wasting your money sending out a free report <laughs> to yeah. people who aren't the right people to send it out to. Or you want to you know, you want to get these people before they make a, a low-end purchase and start giving you bad reviews or something. Hmm. So in other words... Um, you use it as a checklist. Now, here's the thing that I think a lot of people don't know. Here's how you do this. A lot of people, I don't think it's necessarily starting, even when it comes to handwriting ads, with all the old stuff. Because you can start handwriting out new stuff, but you need to, to make sure that you're writing stuff that's profitable. You need to see something that's been running for a while. Mm. So when it comes to email copy, let's say, 
you want to sign up on the list. Like, let's suppose you want to become um, the next big financial copywriter. So what you do is um, you want to sign up to be on these lists, right? And a lot of people create an email address just to see these lists. Um, and this is the email address I sign up for all the financial newsletters or whatever it is. Yeah. But then you, what you want to do is save those and save those in the sequence that they came in and come back and check it later because you may have gotten um, the, the first email, the welcome email may not be the control after all. It was something that they tested. So you only know that the email is still is, you know, a big winner and working because they moved it up in the line, right? <laughs> he said, this, this thing was great. We sent it out as, you know, it used to be the third email in our sequence. Now it's the first, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you want to make sure it's a company like Agora that knows their numbers and they're not making this, you know, they're not just messing around. They're doing this based on results, right? So you want to compare the emails they're sending out in six months to the ones they sent out six months ago. And you build a modern swipe file. You look at, um, you know, Facebook ads, right? You go and you look at, um, you can go into the Facebook ads and then you can look at the ad information about that ad itself and find the ones that have been running for a very long time because they really can't, you know, most of them, and this isn't always a hundred percent perfect, but you can't always run them forever. Yeah. Okay. So I've enough about swipe file. So you're building a swipe file. Yeah. <laughs> Got that. You're taking on any little client you can get. Car John Carlton calls this the shameless horror stage of your <laughs> career where you'll write for free if you can add the results in. There are other ways that you can do deals. Um, you know, and there's one that I propose that, you know, I got, I kind of got this way of thinking from Jay Abraham, you know, because I would learn like, you know, Jay Abraham is really good at like deal offering and figuring out assets people have, which is mm -hmm. to go around and you find somebody's copy that's really kind of terrible, but they're advertising. <clears throat> and you say, you know what? I, I, you know, I study some of the greatest modern copywriters of all time. And I think I see ways to improve your thing. I would like to write copy for you and it won't cost you a dime. Mm -hmm. uh, and, but here's the deal. What happens is if, I write, I'm going to rewrite your, your copy that I see you doing in your sales letter for, you know, cause you wanted to buy my house or whatever the copy came from and you make the changes. I'm not going to say anything illegal or wrong. Cause that, I don't want to do that. I don't want to get, I'll get just as much as trouble as you would. And if the, if what I make actually makes a difference, all I want, is 10% of the difference in the sales up to a limit of $1,500. So in other words, if you pay me $1,500, mm -hmm. that means you've made 15,000 extra dollars. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And um, if when I show you the copy, you really know it's going to be much better. I'll let you keep it for $700. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So, it, you know, but, you know, that's up to you. So this way, it doesn't cost you anything except for taking the risk on doing some changes. But these changes are based on time-honored principles that were taught to me, you know, by some of the best copywriters in the world. Okay. So you really get very little risk or downside, a big upside. And, you know, that's a good way to start getting jobs when, when you don't really have much of a portfolio yet.
right? Mm. But there's a lot of ways to do this, to get jobs for other portfolios and everything. And that's what we're going to start talking about now. Now it's time to start attending events. Again, you're still reading more books when you're on the planes to these events. You are still writing copy whenever you get a chance to write real copy. You are, when you can afford it, based on the profits you're getting from those jobs or however you're doing it, watching more courses, right? So I'm never, I'm, I'm not saying to ever stop this process. I'm just saying yeah. it's time to move on. And so you want to do two things. You want to join a paid Facebook group. I don't even have a paid Facebook group. Um, you can join, um, there's one from the Copywriter Club, but there's also Copy Chief. That's the one that I kind of recommend. Yeah. With Kevin Rogers. Um, Kevin Rogers. And I remember sitting down with Kevin Rogers when he was new. He couldn't believe he was sitting next to me. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh my God, you're like copywriting royalty. I can't believe I'm getting to sit next <laughs> to the guy that, you know, that's, you know, I read your name in the boring letters all the time. I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, I'm just a guy, and you know, now I don't know if he'll take my calls. No, <laughs> I'm only kidding. Uh, Kevin Rogers is great. We've actually, yeah. you know, done. Um, I've done um, stuff and training videos for his for his his group. But again, I'm not, I'm recommending it because I know how they work. It when you in the paid groups, you get the right to expect answers, and the paid groups have more professionals in them. Mm. Okay? And they're more interactive professionals. So that's one of the reasons that you want to be in them. They usually also come with, um, you know, events. Now you can do the events sideways, but there's two types of events you want to get to and you need to start going to events. One is just the events that are copywriters, you know, and the reason you want to do that is if you, and you need to, you'll learn some stuff from the speakers but you're not going to school and getting an aha moment every time somebody takes the stage. That's not what, that's not the whole value of it. You'll get a couple of, you know, and the more experienced you are, the fewer notes you're going to take. Yeah. Uh, I take a couple notes. And when I take a lot of notes, I have to go and actually compliment the person <laughs> and say, you know, <laughs> I don't normally take notes. I've been in this business for 40 years. Um, so, you know, you're really, really, yeah. really good. And you're sharp and you're teaching me stuff. But, you know, most everybody else, it's like, you know, I'm saying, oh, that was actually, you know, you did a really good synopsis of all the stuff that I already knew. Um, but what you then want to do is, but the reason that you want to do this is because you will learn some new tricks. Um, and at the, for your first event, you will be taking a lot of notes. It's like by the 10th event that you're taking few notes. Mm. Then, but the other thing is copywriters end up specializing in a niche because in the copywriting process, the longest part of the process is the research. And great copywriters do a ton of research. So an average copywriter will look at some reviews um, in, you know, on Amazon for products, Yelp for services, and they will learn how to take the negative and turn it into a positive. You know, these people complaining about this and they say, and unlike the other competitors, we don't make this mistake and we don't do this. Yeah. Um, and they'll, they'll amp up the positive, you know, um, talking about, <clears throat> um, you know, the magical day that you're promising people to make sure mm -hmm. that you're, you're helping make sure that their wedding day is the magical day that the bride wants. And, you know, you, they do that. And they also do a little bit of, um, you know, a little bit of numbers research, like maybe looking at some of the analytics and stuff. 
But <clears throat> the great copywriters will take more time. They're like, no, I'm going to see these lists. I want to see what I'm going to go hop on the computer, pretend I knew nothing and see which search words I use to look up stuff. I'm going to go into the forums. I'm going, you know, I need to order products and go through the process and they're all going through it. And I could do a whole spiel on just research alone. Yeah. And they're looking for, this would be the right offer to make. This would be the right, um, the, this would be a better form of proof. This will be a, um, a better message to get out there that would, and th this is, this is something that's fascinating to me. And I wish I would have known that to the beginning. So I'm going to put that in my copy. They know they're, they start identifying what they, Eugene Schwartz called a market level awareness. I like market level sophistication a little bit better, but you know, they say, okay, this person's new. And so that story will be fascinating to them. But if I'm selling to the people who are already watch collectors, they know that the Rolex president was named that because they gave it to Truman. <laughs> <laughs> gave that example to Truman. And um, so this other story is much more fascinating, right? Yeah. So, but the, the, the serious, serious professional copywriter, the, the legendary one will go further in the research than the newbie copywriter will. Well, yeah. the research, by the time you finally get a hit, um, that's a big hit, you really know that market pretty well. And it's a lot easier to go and stick with that market and sell somebody else's product in that market than it is to go learn a completely different human animal, yeah. right? And even if you had the same prospect, like my, I'm really great at selling to um, millennials who are ambitious, uh, minimalists, but really like to buy experiences. So <clears throat> even though you sell to them, they're different depending on what you're selling. You know, the one who's like all of a sudden shocked and worried about their health because they have a health problem or the other one that is all of a sudden going through a problem of what to do with their parents who they, who are now starting to have signs of Alzheimer's. They, that's a different person right? Or it's, it's a different frame set, a different mindset. So even if you know that prospect, well, it doesn't mean that you do that niche well. Mm. Okay. Mm. So what happens is you end up, that's why end, these people end up in niches, but, and the good part about that, there's a good and a bad, um, it can stymie you and you can end up stuck in one yeah. um, because that's where all the best paying clients and that's where your highest perform performance is. But the good part for a lot of people is when you go to these events, you run into copywriters and you're like, yeah, no, I specialize in sending local business to restaurants. Right. Another person says, I, you know, I do supplements and you know, yeah. my target market is, is the baby boomers. And then somebody comes to me and they say, Hey, I need to hire a copywriter. And I, first question, what's the first question you ask when somebody says they want to hire a copywriter? What are you selling? Mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> who selling it to yeah. let me write you know oh you're selling something that i knew nothing about and i don't want to do the research or i'm busy because you know when you've already got a couple of client retainers you don't have space to do it so you mm. end up you know them recommending another copywriter copywriters get a ton of jobs from other copywriters yeah yeah okay. so when you're at these events you need to network you need to go you need to go on a train ride with Bonda Brown. You need to, um, you need to go and spend time at the bar. You should, you should, when you come back from an event, you should just be wasted tired from all the socializing mm. that you did and you know the stuff that you did in the room and things like that. 
So the actually two of the biggest events for copywriting that I think are pretty good are the copywriting in real the copywriter club in real life event and um, uh, what's Kevin Rogers again? Copy Chief. Copy Chief Live. Copy Chief Live. Okay. So um, that's a different thing. Now, the other events you should go to are the events based on marketing, but are generalized on marketing because you will have people who are looking for copywriters who are, you know, managing, um, they're managing ad campaigns you know their their big thing is facebook ads but they need a copywriter because that person's an expert in targeting you know targeting the right audiences and you know they've got a network of people that let them share emails so they can build look out look you know uh look-alike audiences for these things and they need a copywriter you've got other people who you know they're they specialize in funnels but they need a copywriter right <laughs> yeah yeah true <laughs> They're a marketing strategist and a marketing coach. They need a copywriter to recommend. And then I guess a third portion would be people that are just very much their business owners, but in the industry that you're a niche for, because then there's no other copywriters in the room. Right? Yeah, yeah. No competition. <laughs> and you, go up, you tell the, the, the speakers and everything and you say, Hey, listen, you know, I'm willing to give you a speech and it's basically, it's um, the five things that, you know, make the biggest difference in sales, you know, and making local sales for plumbers in, into a you know, group of plumbers. And the guy says, well, that sounds like it'd be really interesting to my clientele. You get up there and you say it. And then when you get off stage, you have a line of plumbers that are trying to hire you to write the ads they're thinking about running hmm. now because you've taught them. Again, teaching, right? Yes. So you want to start doing those events. And then um, what you want to start doing is you want to, let's see. So, okay, I've covered some books. I've covered um, being in, in free groups. I've covered, um, you know, going through courses and then stepping out, taking as much work as you can, doing the exercises that help get you to the rhythm and the flow. Um, and now hopefully you're starting to judge up business and get better and get better and get better. And then you want to really, hopefully by this time, you have built a network of good marketers in different things and you're going to start learning and start focusing on, and you're not limited to this, but you want to start learning and focusing on niche and mediums. So writing for, um, you know, people who are sending out letters to homes because they want to buy homes, they're real estate brokers is different from writing Facebook ads, which is different from writing um, VSLs, which is different from writing sales funnels. You can, uh, or um, email sequences. You can learn all of it. There's absolutely, there, you actually can become good at all of these things, but they have their own different, subtle differences. Okay. And um, what you want to do, you know, so, what you want to do is learn those differences. So some, you might pick one and now the course that you're taking is more about VSLs and more about, you know, scripting and you're learning more about the background of shooting stuff, you know, of, of, you know, how this needs to be presented and look, are you making the kind of brand videos that you see a lot of, or are you making the like down and dirty and believe it or not, the down and dirty is, 
you know, sometimes outpull the really polished. Yeah, they do. Yeah, it just depends on the topic. It depends on, you know, the person who's looking, you know, I'm, I'm looking for somebody, I want something that looks like they just released this yesterday and they're sharing something nobody else knows, mm. right? Um, so there are other things that, you know, no, I need to see that fade in shot of the really fine, slow tick of a sweeping movement on a watch. <laughs> Somebody else is like, you know, no, this is, you know, when they're looking for this, they're really after a solution really quick while other people want to be romanced. Right. Hmm. So, um, but you need, but having a network of people um, and you have this by now, if you've done all of these things, you have, you know, you have, I've got a, I've got a paid group. I got a free group of people that I can ask who's good at this and who I should learn from. I got people that can connect me up with these people. They can tell me which is, you know, who's got a good email marketing course compared to this and tell me the differences about them and so forth. Um, you end up being able to access and start focusing and you get, you know, um, not wasting, I guess the best way I'm trying to say it is you're wasting less time and getting to the knowledge that you need to get to. Um, and when you get to now, then we're talking at this stage, the final stage is of, uh, of the growth. It, it, I shouldn't say that because your growth process never ends. Never, never, yeah, never. I know what you mean. Mentorships. I mean, not mentorships, uh, masterminds, right? And, masterminds where there's a you know there's clients to be made at masterminds there's things to learn at masterminds and the great thing about masterminds is you know most people who have paid twenty thousand dollars to be in a mastermind for the year or more seen them up to 80 um you know there's ones that claim to be higher but i mean i think 80 something is the most i've actually seen where, where the entire group actually paid to be in it right <laughs> They're not a bunch of friends that claim that they all, you know, it's, it's a $200,000 mastermind. But those, um, you know, they, you know, those are people that are great to learn from because they have not only the resources to join that mastermind, but they're also got, have managed their lives in a way that gets them to and from, uh, you know, where they can go to these four different yeah. cities in a year and get together. Now, when you, if you're a business owner, Back to the point of making a lot of money. The biggest money makers in the business all have a huge equity stake in their business. People like Ben Suarez. Um, but when it comes to the business, the business masterminds, you want to join uh, two different types of masterminds. One mastermind that is solely focused on your niche, whether you own that business or not, whether if you're somebody who works for, um, you know, that you write copy for people who are life coaches or coaches of any kind, you want to join a mastermind group with filled with coaches. You're going to get yeah. a lot of clients and you're going to learn a lot more about the coaching business and you're going to learn more about their new pains and problems. You also want to join a mastermind that's filled with people from a whole bunch of different industries because going back to the swipe file principle, one of those things, I'm one of those guys and I think the, the sharper, more creative people are the ones who say, you know, I just heard this thing. That would be great. I could adapt that and use that in my industry. Mm. They're not playing follow the leader the way that everybody else in our marketing is. Cause I, you know, I remember, you know, you could watch Kevin nations, right? You, to, you yeah. know, you're on a Facebook group 
and he's he's doing something right and you see him do something and then like six months later all of a sudden there are 10 or 12 other people doing it mm. and about a year later there's about 48 or 100 people doing it <laughs> yeah, and a bunch of courses right. on it they're, yeah they're higher up on it on the on the on the the people who are there's a couple they're like learning directly from him and he's telling them what didn't didn't work right you know but they're all playing a game of follow the leader and hmm. the problem with following the leader is you might be following the lead there's the there's the guy who's or a lady who's the innovator that's changing you know the um that's testing all these different things they're the they're the ones who are they're not making necessarily a ton of money because all they want to do is they want to test 10 different ideas that they had and they want to, mm. and they're revolutionary. And when they're like me, they, they get something that works and then they're like, they share it with a couple of people and then they moved on to the next thing. Mm. Right. So when I started getting really high open rates by doing things different than the rest of the industry was doing, I told a few people and then pretty soon I started seeing some people do it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, but I moved on to doing something else. And then there's the person who is what they call like the early adopter, right? They, they figure out, oh, this person's usually doing something ahead of everybody else. Like if I, if, if you follow James Schramko, right? Yeah. He's one of the guys that I follow. He's usually doing stuff and it's not always a hundred percent, you know, right. But for the most part, he's usually doing stuff by the time, you know, and then, you know, two years later, people are teaching it at TNC. Yeah. Right. So then there's the mass broadcaster. Those are the people at TNC. They are showing you stuff that the early adopters have all been sharing and working together with and perfecting and stuff. So they mm. didn't, the innovator did, but by the time they're sharing it. So, you know, and I like TNC, I go there to network. Um, but most of the time that I step into a room, I'm hearing something that I kind of already knew from my network. Mm. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, so now the final thing is this, the, the last part I'm going to say is this, how good you are depends on a couple things. You're willing to stand up, brush yourself off and try something new. Because if you're writing copy, that sounds like nothing anybody's heard before. You do have a higher chance of it bombing. Mm. okay that's fine my you know babe ruth was like my father and babe ruth had more home runs than anybody else he also struck out more than anybody else he was swinging and saying if it's not a homer i don't want it right mm. if you are a average working copywriter you you know that's you know using templates and everything you're going to get a lot of base hits very mm. few home runs but you're going to get a lot of first base hits and i'm sorry for anybody who doesn't you know, follow baseball. <laughs> <laughs> no, so that, they'll figure it out. But it's a good analogy. You're going to yeah. get a lot of base hits, but you're not going to get really very many home runs. So you have to have the ability to brush that off and go for home runs. And you recognize where there's an advantage. So the, you know, when you work for big, really professional companies, they, you're still going to have to double check that they're targeting the right audience, but they've usually used um, Alexa, clean one, two, three, and they, they, you know, they, um, crystallytics and they've used these resources that they put into to really identify and can tell you, look, 20% of our audience is on Facebook. You know, it's a younger demographic. So a bunch more on Instagram or it's an 
older demographic and we actually have some, you know, they, they know where they, that message can be, is a good place to share that message. They, you know, you have, you have to spend a little bit less time on their resources, on, on, of less time researching and finding out who their avatar is, as it were. But the, if you're doing it, whether it's you're doing it for yourself or whether you're doing it for a client, you can, you can convince, you're, convi you're persuasive in person, which is a great skill to have as a copywriter. And you are convincing them to do the right offer for their market, for the market they have, the list they have, or who they're going to be advertising to. Yeah. And you get to, you know, you explain to them, look, we're going to do this, but I want to give, I want three cracks at this because I'm going to swing for the fences. And mm -hmm. if it's okay, we're going to do three, you know, 10,000 name tests. And then when it, when we get the one that works, we're going to shoot it out to a million names, but they're going to sound radically different from everything else. And if I can't get any of those three to working, you know, we're all adults here. I'll walk away. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but we're going to give it a good, a good try because I don't want to, I want to make you sound different from your competitors completely and better. And so, you know, the, but the, but the really, really great copywriter, when they go into doing research, they're, they're walking in the other shoes. The number one thing they're trying to do is actually spend time with real paying customers. They'll pick up the customer support line of the company that they're working for and start working with them and asking questions. They will look at their surveys and if they're not running, surveying some of their clients, they're going to survey, you know, create their own survey. And they're going to try and use that to pick up language that the copywriter, you know, that the copywriter can use that's going to make, that's really going to resonate with the prospects. Yes. You, they're going to figure out, you know, hey, what's the offer that, you know, you wished we had made? Mm -hmm. You know, they're going to ask these questions. They're going to do more research with real-time things. They're going to walk through the shoes of being a customer. They're actually going to, they're going to try that diet cream. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, or that, you know, that skin cream or that diet product, they're going to, um, and, and let me tell you how much that makes a huge difference. You know, my father, one time I was telling this, I was, I'm teaching my daughter stuff. So I was telling her this earlier this week, my dad, one time he was pretty much, you know, near the height of his career. And he ran this radio spot for a diet ad where he was using a lot of humor mm. And it bombed. I mean, it bombed. I don't think my dad ever wrote anything that bombed this bad. <laughs> and it was, and he didn't realize how the humor, you know, he was kind of insulting these overweight people on a subject that they're very sensitive about. Yeah. You can joke around about, you know, car insurance, as long as you're selling car insurance to people who just looking for the best deal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Because they're not thinking about it. But you try talking to them about car insurance after they've been into a wreck. You know, then mm. they're like, wait a minute, I want to know what my coverage is. I want to know that this coverage, you know, that I'm not, you know, not being covered because my kid didn't throw on a seatbelt in the backyard and you're, or in the back seat. And now you're going to, you know, disallow my claim, yeah. you know, medical bills or whatever. So as soon as the subject gets, anyways, this is a tangent copywriting or marketing lesson as soon as a subject is kind of touchy with people you can't really joke about it mm. okay but my so my dad joked about it and everything and he didn't couldn't write uh, a good diet promotion but you know when he wrote his first like you know really good diet promotion after he had gained some weight 
Now well, all of a sudden he knew what it felt like to struggle with weight. Mm. So it was easier, you know, he was, it was much, you know, he was one of, he understood it a lot better. Yeah, that's really interesting. And great copywriters are going to spend a lot of time understanding, and, you know, especially if you're asking them to go into a subject where they haven't written before, they're not going to turn around and go, oh, well, I'm going to take this template. I used it to sell, you know, a Forex trading system at Agora, and I'm going to go apply this. Um, my, I'm going to go apply my, you know, five-step hero's journey theory to, you know, selling concert tickets to millennials. It's not going to work, mm. right? And you need to get with those people and have a massive amount of curiosity with those people. Um, and I know we've ran long, so I'll cut this short, but an example of that, somebody came to me and they said, Hey, I got a buddy and they got all of these, you know, this lipstick line and, and it, they were calling it bitching something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was like, I don't know if that's right. And he goes, well, <laughs> well it depends on who you're selling it to. I think the that older, lady, I think the older ladies who know what bitching means, they've heard that term or probably don't like that term. Right. You know, <laughs> And I think if you're targeting teenagers, they've never heard that term. Yeah, they don't know what it means. And this was going to be a Facebook campaign, right? And this is a friend of mine. So I turned and I said, I said, give me 15 minutes. And I went and I talked to my teenage daughter. Yeah. I said, hey, you know, where are you learning makeup tutorials? She says, oh, on YouTube. I said, give me a list of the 10 top influencers when it comes to makeup and who you would, you know, listen to their opinion and their tutorials on makeup. And he goes, okay, and this and that. And I said, you know what, you know, what, and what would you say, how would they actually word and say that this makeup was really good? And he, she'd go, oh, they, they'd say it was on fleek, F-L-E-E-K. Now, this was a while ago. I don't think fleek is any, is used anymore. And if, you know, and if it was, I would ask, I would ask my daughter. Actually, now my daughter's a little older. I would probably go ask a younger, mm. uh, a friend's daughter or something. <laughs> but anyway. So I came back and I said, okay, here's what you want to do. First drop Facebook. You, there's no teenagers on Facebook, which I already knew at that point. And I said, you need to go over to Instagram. You want to try um, bribing these um, influencers and seeing how much they charge to do something or if they're willing, if they're interested in ad swaps, which is, you know, you're building an account, you advertise to get people following that account. And then you, you know, it's like a, you talk about me, I'll talk about you favor. And then you want to say that, you know, these 36 colors are guaranteed to make sure that you're always on fleek. And he's, he's like, man, how do you come up with all this stuff? That is amazing. <laughs> and all this other stuff. And there's two answers to that. One is I pay attention. I paid attention mm -hmm. every, you know, the teenagers a lot, you know, when I hear on, I don't know where I heard it to tell you the truth. When I heard that, you know, the, that all of the teens had left Facebook the way that we all ditched MySpace, right? And by the way, my, MySpace actually is an artist uh, platform now. There's actually artists. On so if you were trying to target artists, I would be telling you, you know, go look at MySpace. Um, but when I hear these things, like I hear that MySpace is alive and well for artists, and I hear that, you know, the girl, the young ladies are all on um, on Instagram. I make a mental note of it, even though I have nothing to sell to them. That hmm. that interested in human behavior and human yeah. psychology. But to get that, that yeah, 
to, to get that language and all of that other stuff, I just went right to the source and started asking questions. And that's a huge key, right? But the more, you know, so somebody actually was buying a lot of this information and, in, you know, or buying into a lot of this product and getting ready to franchise or whatever without doing that research first. You know, people are afraid to do research and research is where you really can become the king because you end up telling more fascinating and better stories. You, your message is more on point with mm. their emotions that they need to buy and so forth. So in the end, what happens is my, my dad's process, which is different from mine, is somebody would hire him and say, okay, we want you to write this copy. Or my dad would decide that he wanted to go into a niche or whatever. He would take in all the information. He would read books on the subject. He would talk to people in his life that were, you know, that fit the bill of the prospect. You know, he would, you know, if it was about fishing, he would talk to the one guy he knew was into the most, into fishing the most. If yeah. it was a, something about that, he would have these conversations. He would test out like lines and see if that perked their interest. He would walk around thinking about ideas and perfecting, perfecting everything in his head for like 30 days or more and then he would sit down and it was he loved the way that this looked though by the way <laughs> and then sit down at the, at his dining room table usually he didn't actually really sometimes it was at a desk but it just didn't matter it was a flat surface he would sit down with his legal pad and he would start writing that ad out and the way this looked was like you hired him he wasn't doing anything <laughs> he was going to the movies and just talking with people and then, you know, the deadline was coming. He'd sit down. He'd write a killer ad. <laughs> it, just yeah. looked, it just looked like it was, uh, you know, like he, like he was a wizard. He was Merlin. <laughs> <laughs> but what he was doing is he was perfecting that ad and that pitch in his head. And he was perfecting it in his head because when, if he started writing, you know, the way that he would write, um, he started this back when people wrote on actual typewriters wow. and when the electric typewriter came out. You could only backspace a couple of, you know, like maybe a couple of words, but you couldn't make major rewrites or move things around the way that we can mm. now. And then you would take it to postal instant press over here on sunset. If he didn't have a secretary at the time and they'd have to, they'd rewrite, they'd write it. And then he'd come and he'd make simple, smaller edits, right? And then go back. This was time consuming and expensive. So he was perfecting the whole thing in his head. Mm, wow. Now what I do is I do a whole bunch of like research and walking around and thinking and use what I know about people and curiosity and putting myself into that position. Um, and um, take a lot of notes on what needs to be said and what needs to come across and things like that. And then I start hammering out a very rough draft, right? And then I'll walk around some more and if there's another point to be made, I'll make that point. I don't rewrite the beginning or the ending or something like that. It's like, you know, oh, I wanna do a paragraph on this and I'll stick it in there and then I'll edit and edit and edit and smooth it all over right and when i'm done it will look like i just sat at my computer and hammered out a quick message and this i'm not even trying to write copy <laughs> <laughs> because that's what good copy is good copy mm. looks like it's just a message that's a, you know a quick message of somebody sharing something they've got a lot of passion for yeah and so 
if you are, again, to recap, if you are trying to become a, you know, copywriter that works for hire, you can just follow that. Get, you know, get that list of books. You don't have to read all 150 or whatever books that are out there that can make you a great copywriter. You can, you can start actually getting paid um, and knowing the skills that most professionals do. You can start looking at templates and making, you know, making copywriters happy. And you're going to focus a lot more on how to get clients and how to get new clients and then how to get, you know, testimonials out of the few clients that are happy with what you do. Not, and I don't mean few as in, I'm not trying to be rude, you know, they're, you're getting testimonials out of those clients and, you know, live a life where you're, um, you're, you're churning, you're going in and out of the client, you know, getting client, working with clients, then going to get new clients. Then the third, the third thing is, going for that greatness which is a lifelong progress that process that never stops because you know what when google ads stop being the latest thing and then you know all of a sudden or yahoo ads right yeah yeah. (laughs) google came along and everything changed and then facebook came along and everything changed and now you got choices between instagram and twitter and you know and trust me that's not going to be the last thing to change and that's why Gary Halper proteges are so good is because they can go in there and say, okay, these are the people who are in here. This is what they're feeling. This is what they're experiencing. This is what would get their attention. This is what would they would really drive their interest. This is what would fuel their desire. And this is what would compel them to act. And it can be completely different from the ones that they did on previous platforms. Okay. And then if you want to become super rich, you now need to start working on um, and I'm not going to cover that today, but you, you need to start working on being understanding um, the operational management and um, growth of a business and being, being an owner. Mm. So that's, that's beyond the purview of what we're, what we're trying to accomplish here today with the question you asked. But it's about, um, you know, it's about, you know, absolutely being able to find the right partner, get the right contracts, secure your position in what you're doing, um, choosing markets, being adaptable, knowing how to build out a plan that's much greater than a product. (laughs) (laughs) Building a huge relationship and then, you know, being able to plan and clone it, you know, preparing your budgeting for the promotions, having a lifespan and having other a bunch of irons being worked at once, 10 different tests always going so that when one of them hits, you have a, a system that automatically rolls it out. It's all management stuff. Yeah. But those are the ones who make the very mo- the most money in the world are not writing for clients. They are writing for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's got like, uh, um, uh, you know, another Facebook group with uh, um, uh, guy, guys running it by the name of Justin Goff and, and Stephen Georgie, who were um, very successful copywriters, and, and they they often talk about the offers that they're running, and uh, and uh, you know it's definitely a lot more profitable for them to be uh, writing the copy for the, their own products and ones that they have a big stake in, rather than just being a gun for hire. Absolutely, but it's but it takes a you know I mean. And the problem with even if you, you're a gun for hire or you have a big stake in it and everything, um, it's still that even compels to the, oh, we own it. Mm, yes. When we own it, 
Um, and, the, and again, I, you know, I don't want to go off too much on this tangent because we've been doing this for already a long time. The it's they're, they're the the problem becomes one you one person is a great manager, one person is a great creative. Um, the only at the only change I've seen that's even highlighted that was the digital marketer guys. One was great management, one was great creative, and one was a great deal maker. Um, and <clears throat> that you know. And then what happens though is everybody needs to really value what the other person is putting in and yeah. that can sometimes broke break down and you don't know what people are really like until they're stress tested until the money's like okay kind of tight or one person really has a need to suck out more money out of the company than the other ones want sucked out you know <laughs> <laughs> you know they're like yeah no i need i've got this dream and i need to i really want to buy this so you know, I need this chateau in France because it's going to make my life the dream life that I want. <laughs> and somebody else is like, well, no, but if you do that, you're taking away our coffers for that we need for testing in case these promotions start to end and that, that hinders our growth or whatever. Hmm. But, you know, Glazer Kennedy, you know, Kennedy was free to focus on his massive talent because Glazer was managing things. So that's how GKIC grew. Hmm. How Incorporated. Um, my dad's um, creativity built, you know, the whole thing couldn't have been built without him. But at the same time, without Dennis Hasslinger's management, it would have never been that big of a company. My dad took in more money, took home more money working with me than he did in any other project. But the real key to that system <laughs> was not letting him raid the bank account. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we could keep the whole thing going. Um, um, there's, uh, 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 what's called digital marketer grew really big because you have, you know, Ryan Dice, incredible manager, um, with Perry Belcher, incredible, you know, creative guy and Roland Frazier, who was an incredible understander of, you know, you know how to make deals and do deal making. And so it takes a lot of trust, um, amongst those things. Everybody has to have kind of a, an appropriate level of um, respect and understanding of what the other person's position are. And it has to kind of work together in, in that way. Hmm. Uh, Golden hippo. I always, you know, Craig Clemens, I always say, you know, one of the best assets he has in his life are the brothers that, you know, help run the company. Hmm. Because imagine doing all this research and getting it all straight and you've done all of this other stuff but now you're at a desk trying to figure out how to hire somebody, fire somebody else, figure out your taxes, deal with accountants and everything. That's, you know, that does not jive with the person who is letting ideas germinate in their head. Yeah. Different personality basically. Um, and I, I honestly have never seen um, the, the people who have a little bit of both or pretty good and everything they don't have the bandwidth to do to build a company where they're taking home $30 million a year. Mm. And I'm not one of them either, by the way, I'm not, that's not an insult. I'm definitely, I mean, I'm terrible management material and I've heard other people say, <laughs> no, you're good at management. No, it's like, I'm nice and I don't, and I'm not rude. <laughs> 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 <At all. laughs> I, I am much more about, you know, my yeah. lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, you have, I think you have to come back uh, and uh, um, talk a bit more about that stuff because uh, um, 
uh, I know people are really anxious that I'm one of them about the, the lifestyle that you've got always, always out, out hiking or down the, the beach at Santa Monica. <laughs> and uh, I don't think you, it doesn't seem like you work even an hour in a day or something. So uh, maybe well, a couple of hours a week. This is the longest I've spent talking marketing all week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a record for the week. It well, is. <laughs> we'll have to get you back and, and talk about that sometime because, uh, um, uh, you know, it, it's a longer episode than what we normally do, but it's been worth uh, every minute of it. You know, I've been thinking of changing the um, the name of the podcast to Royalty of Copywriting because uh, uh, Genius doesn't cover it when, <laughs> when it comes to... Uh, uh, what you've been talking about here today. So, um, so that's really awesome. So I've, wow. I really appreciate everything you shared and the, the group again, um, uh, the Gary Halbert, uh, coffee club. Yep. Yeah. Get to, um, go into the Gary Halbert copywriting club, um, and uh, join the list at the Gary Um, hopefully by the time this airs, I will actually have that document up in the files that lists all of the resources, but not and with links to them and with bonuses. So you get more just by, you won't get a better deal anywhere else. Um, you won't get them any less expensive, mm. but you can mm. also get bonuses to other things. Yeah. Oh, there is one thing I forgot to mention that is part of this, uh, that thing. You remember when I talked about handwriting out ads? Yeah. There is an advent uh, because I didn't sit down with an outline. We kind of like chose a topic real quick. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> one of the things that I wish I had invented, but it was one of our customers did, but it turned out to be a brilliant breakthrough is he hands write, he hand writes out my dad's ads. The ones that we did were line for line breakdowns. Of. And so some of these bonuses will be ad breakdown bonuses. And what that means is that, you know, like if you're looking at the coat of arms letter, what we do is my brother and I, we cover the big picture, like the big idea behind this, um, who they were selling it to, the offer, the market, the message, and all of that stuff. And then we get into the copy and we break it down line by line. And in some case, word by word, like why you're doing this. So you not only get the rhythm and the cadence of writing the copy, if you listen to it while you're handwriting the ad, you <laughs> yeah. start to understand why you're writing each and every word that's being chosen. So it starts to give a neurological imprint on the reasoning, not just the timing and the rhythm, but the reasoning behind the lines. That, and it's actually very powerful. Yeah. Um, so those, the, um, the ad breakdowns, um, they're at halbertizing.com. If you, if you get the document for some of them will be, um, uh, bonuses for using those affiliate links when you choose one of several. And I mean, there's money, you know, I, I list all the ones that I stand by. Hmm. And that's a, very important to know that there's nothing more important to, me than the family reputation so i and you know this about me i will you know i will not work with somebody who i don't think is ethical um even if it means that they're going to pay me a lot of money Mm. um i will not recommend course because somebody is famous and somebody's powerful in our industry if i don't think that that course and and i've got examples of where no i turned down promoting this course because I didn't think it was worthy of putting the Halbert name next to it. And, you know, and I do that out of 
reverence to my father and where he built up his name. But also, if you think about it, if my daughter starts getting into this industry and my son starts getting into, into this industry, it's reverence to their reputation in the future as well. So there is no, there, you know, so there, while there's long lists of books that I will recommend and long lists of courses and assets and, you know, clubs and everything else, I won't put my name behind anything that I don't stand 100% behind and wouldn't stand behind it if my daughter asked me. So, I mean, I won't, I won't recommend a resource that I wouldn't, you know, send my daughter to. I would, I would send my daughter to the events that I recommend. I would, <clears throat> um, and you can't buy that recommendation from me. The, yeah, the, yeah, true. the bonus thing is just because it, you know, it supports the ongoing, the ongoing hosting of the sites and things yeah. like that. And yes. I figured, yeah. I figured why not, you know, I mean, if I'm recommending this and that, um, why not, you know, make a bundle deal, make them happy, make, give, give you, a, give everybody an even better opportunity. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So if uh, you're listening on iTunes or Apple podcasts or whatever they're calling it these days, um, uh, I'll throw some uh, links up on the page at geniusesofcopywriting.com or you can just search on Facebook at um, the Gary Halbert Copy Club group, um, jump in and uh, it's one of the few groups that, that I uh, actually get value out of and, and really recommend. There's a million Facebook groups uh, that, that I'm part of, but a few that I have actually bothered with, and that's one of them. So um, definitely do that. I appreciate everything you've shared on, uh, on here today. I only asked the one question uh, pretty much, and then I got uh, um, a lot more than I bargained for. But it's worth, it was worth uh, hanging around for. So thank you very much for that. Anytime, my man. No problems. We'll have to have you back on sometime and uh, I will uh, um, organise that with you. So um, thanks very much. We'll talk soon. Great. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Geniuses of Copywriting with Brian Casagina. To get the full transcript and all the resources mentioned on today's show, go to www.geniusesofcopywriting.com now.